This is MuggleCast, your Harry Potter and Fantastic Beasts podcast covering everything about J.K. Rowling's Wizarding World. Welcome to MuggleCast episode 292. Micah, Eric, and I are here this week, and we're very pleased to welcome Selena back to the show. Hey, Selena. Hi, guys. So hey, glad to be you. here. Oh, good. Eurovision yeah. Day. Very exciting. Selena, of course, a Harry Potter expert. Of course. Write some great Harry Potter pieces on Hypable, I have to say. But yeah, it's good to have you back. It's been a while. And this is our second episode of the month. Something we haven't done in a while. Wow. <laughs> Two episodes in a month. It's <laughs> occasion. It feels like just yesterday we were here. I know. Seriously. I was like, oh, another MuggleCast already? <laughs> <laughs> already getting sick of it again. <laughs> kidding. No, I actually, I've kind of been rediscovering Harry Potter. I am rereading oh, yeah. Sorcerer's Stone right now. Oh, nice. Yeah. Partly because on Patreon, we are, we're each reading a chapter and releasing it on Patreon. So I wanted to read all the chapters that might what are get... you audio? Are you narrating it? Yeah, yeah. We're like Jim oh Dale. Oh, my God. Yeah. This yeah. is so exciting. Yeah. Voices. I might have to subscribe. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It is fun, though. But yeah, so I've been rereading Sorcerer's Stone, partly with the illustrated ed- illustrated edition. And yes. it you really forget just how much is taken out of the movies. Mm-hmm. Taken out for the movie. Um, like the Midnight Duel, for example. I got to that chapter. Oh, I was like, what yeah. is this? <laughs> what is this scene? <laughs> Forgot this happened. Yeah, so, I'm so glad you're doing that. That's yeah. so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I feel all Harry Potter. It's like you don't, you, you forget, like with the movies. Like even if you, like you, you love the books first, the movies, because they're visual that just imprint on you stronger. So like you forget yeah. how go- good the books really were. Yeah, you really do. You really, really do. Anyway, let's move into present day here. We have an interesting story to begin with. The Ilvermorny Houses. This is the North American Wizarding School. The houses supposedly (laughs) leaked. Andrew. Yeah? Let's be honest. Okay, you hacked Pottermore. (laughs) I know. I was totally thinking the same thing. I didn't know. I didn't hack Pottermore. But actually, what happened last weekend was I I got an email from somebody alerting me to this, and I checked it out for myself, and it was true. You could you could look at this particular page of the Pottermore source code and find these four alleged houses. And I was like, should I write about this? Pottermore is going to be pissed at me. And I didn't really want to upset them. Selena and I are going to the Cursed Child next month, but we might be banned from entering it's too or something. Entry. It's too yeah. late. <laughs> but you did it anyway. I mean, that speaks uh, your clearly to your uh, right. journalistic integrity. Well, yeah. as they say, if you're if you're a journalist, you usually you make enemies. Um, well, in all fairness, though, you run a website, and I think it's it's a little careless on the part of whoever was planning to release this information down the line and, and could have just easily been a mistake. But anytime you go and you view source or, you know, uh, on a website, it there's a, you run the risk, right? I mean, yeah. and clearly they didn't code out the uh, this information yeah. well enough. And it also, what's kind of cracking me up is that you can still look at the source, source code and those names are still there. I would have thought they would have taken it out by now. <laughs> But, um, so yeah, so there's this Did little... Did you get somebody fired? That's the real question. I know. <laughs> somebody actually said that to me the other day. They were like, somebody's going to get fired for this. It's like, I hope not. Yeah. I, I think 
that this the fact that this code exists on Pottermore now means that they're intending on launching this soon. And they just mm-hmm. didn't imagine that somebody was going to be digging into these files. If it weren't for this one person who did it on Reddit, it, it probably... What was, the, hmm? what was the original intent behind them viewing the source code? Was it just... People do that. Dude. Good question. People, yeah, people do that. That's a hobby. No, that's, but I mean... Yeah. Sometimes you might go on to see how something is coded. That is that what happened, and they just saw this information there, or were they really kind of digging for information? I, I think it was probably a little suspicious. Like people just kind of comb over popular websites and look for yeah exploits. I really so, think that was more. So it's in this sorting file. Uh, it's with the Hogwarts sorting test, and it says story title: Ilvermorny School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Um, quiz title, the Ilvermorny Sorting Ceremony. Quiz intro text, where do you belong? Horned Serpent, Wampus, Thunderboard, or Puckwudgie? <laughs> and that seems to suggest that those are the names of the houses. Horned I'm Serpent. Just, they're never going to get that Patronus quiz, guys. <laughs> this is <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, is anybody searching so the source code for a sign of the Patronus? Who you know what's about... <laughs> any of this stuff related <laughs> to do. American schools and, and houses and, and she's just, she wants the you damn Patronus so test, Joe. Right. They've moved on. <laughs> They've moved on, Selena. We should too, okay? <laughs> They've moved on to America and I'm like, damn it. What oh, is your American Patronus? <laughs> oh, it's gonna be called something like uh, uh, Hullabaloo or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So but do you think that these houses you you mentioned the names Andrew do they mirror what we know from Hogwarts just a little bit I mean looking through Horned Serpent Thunderbird Wampus <laughs> is a cougar kind of part of that lion family and then sorry Hufflepuff but yeah Puckwudgie like <laughs> and there's four of them as well just like in Hogwarts like it seems so way too similar yeah. in my opinion well yeah i saw somebody in the hypable comments was like i'm disappointed there should have been six houses I'm like what <laughs> well why not <laughs> well yeah, why yeah. though america's way bigger than than britain you know they need yeah. more division Actually, i think i was kind of thinking of it from a, a merchandise perspective like you need to create six different lines of of house merchandise that seems like a lot i think four is a that's true. A fine number. Anyway, so let's go through these one by one. We don't know any of any actual info about these from J.K. Rowling's world, but you can actually Google all four of these. They're all mythological creatures. They all have uh, entries on Wikipedia, conveniently. So this, this is where I the think the first two that that we have here were were mentioned during some of the pieces that were released on Pottermore, specific to wands and and the wand makers here in the united states Mm. yeah definitely wampus yeah so the wampus according to wikipedia is a creature in american folklore variously described as some kind of fearsome variation of a cougar gryffindor Mm -hmm. okay well see all right well because i think thunderbird is more like Gryffindor. The, so Ravenclaw. Isn't that more like Ravenclaw because it says something about having knowledge and stuff? And obviously mm. it's a bird. Mm. Eagle. Yeah. So according to Wikipedia again, the Thunderbird is a legendary creature in certain North American indigenous peoples' history and culture. It is considered a supernatural bird of power and strength. It is especially important and frequently de- depicted in the art, songs, and oral histories of the many 
Pacific Northwest Coast cultures and is found in various forms among the peoples of the American Southwest, Great Lakes, and Great Plains. I'm into mm. this one. I, I, yeah, I like that one the best. Yeah. But remember, we're just working with the Wikipedia entries here, so <laughs> our interests may Underbird. change. <laughs> the Pukwudgie is a two to three foot tall being from the Wampanoag folklore. Pukwudgie's features resemble those of a human, but with enlarged noses, fingers, and ears. Their skin is described as being a smooth gray and at times has been known to glow. I, what, what a bummer getting that one. Like it's, it's like that Pokemon that looks like a person, you know, with the Mewtwo. Me, the no, the one with the my Mister Mime. Oh God, it's like that oh. one is super creepy. That is, yeah, <laughs> like a giant human kind of. Mm-hmm. And finally, the one that'll probably get the most comparisons to Slither, and just based on the title alone, the horned serpent appears in the mytholo- mythologies of many Native Americans. Details vary among tribes, with many of the stories associating the mystical figure with water, rain, lightning, and or thunder. Horned serpents were major components of the southeastern ceremonial complex of North American prehistory. So, um, I noticed something in a couple of these. There were specific descriptions. So, for example, the horned serpent has a reference to the southeast America. And mm-hmm. the Thunderbird has references to the Pacific Northwest. I'm wondering if right. one of these each represents a section of North America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that would that would make sense. Yeah. So, but then are you saying based on geographical location when you come to Ilvermorny, you're sorted into that house? So there's no real decision making that needs uh, to happen. Well, no. I'm more thinking that the founders each came from a certain section of North America. Because because why would we be doing a sorting test? It, like, the only question on the sorting test would be, well, where do you live? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm in the Pacific Northwest. Okay, you're a Thunderbird. I, 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 I'll take any quiz on Pottermore now. It's yeah. Just so there's nothing to do there. I'm going to be really nervous to take this Ilvermorny house test. Because, like, why? because this is a big deal. Unlike unlike with Hogwarts, where we had time to read the books and decide on our own which house we identify with, this we're, we may not have really any information going into the test, and we're only going to learn about our house after we take the test. If I think it's, that's awesome, though, because you don't get all those like, oh, I want to be in Harry's house, you know, like, yeah. or Slytherin's the evil one. Like, this is much more sort of, I don't know, it's it's exciting. Right. But they do they do fall in line a bit with the houses that we know yeah. from Hogwarts. That's that's my only thing. I, yeah. I would have preferred a little bit more of a diversion from that. But as mentioned earlier, Wampus being part of one of the cores that are used for specific wand maker. I looked it up. It's it's Johannes Yonker, who we've talked about on a previous episode when all the information was released on Pottermore, kind of getting us prepared for the initial trailer of Fantastic Beasts. And it's just interesting that one of these, and, and you know, I don't know where Yonker was from, uh, Andrew, but again, maybe to your point, he's from a specific area of America, and that falls in line with your theory about 
these kind of representing the different quadrants of of North America. Mm-hmm. One and Ilvermorning having four houses is in the grand tradition of old East Coast American private schools imitating British ones. I read this article, uh, which I just kind of paraphrased there. Uh, Catherine Trendacosta on io9 wrote this, um, and it's like an interesting article. I want to just read uh, what they said because I think it's said better than I could. Uh, she says, I hope to God these names aren't real. Uh, <laughs> first, having Ilvermorny have houses named after magical creatures is such an obvious tie-in to the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them movie oh, yeah. <laughs> that I'm kind of insulted. Second, two of those names are, regardless of their real and fascinating origins, Hard to say out loud without a little bit of humor. It's like giving giving Ilvermorny two Hufflepuffs. Mm. Uh, but finally, the real issue is that Thunderbird, Horn Serpent, and Pukwudgie are all from various Native American myth, culture, and folklore. So it's a school in the mold of British Hogwarts, but the house names are all taken from Native Americans. This is practically the platonic ideal of cultural appropriation. Given that J.K. Rowling's history of American wizardry already presented a shocking insensitivity to Native Americans and their culture, this is a terrible idea. (laughs) So I I, I think Joe's playing with fire, me personally, uh, by Mm. continuing to. I mean, Mm. she she really kind of biffed it with uh, with Ilvermorny, like the first go round, trying to uh, appropriate this culture or trying to use elements from without you know, causing... Yeah, and it's so sad because it's obvious that what she's trying to do is she's trying to include, like, she's trying to make Ilvermorny belong to Native America, but obviously it's it's failing spectacularly, you know? But I feel like that's why she's sort of pushing ahead, like, this is her vision of Ilvermorny Il- as something that wasn't in America long before the British and, and like, the Europeans arrived. Mm-hmm. But it's just being, like for whatever re- for all of these different reasons like it's coming across very very badly um yeah and it's, just, it's tough it's a tough situation i think i, I yeah I, i'm not sure how she could win in this situation because you want the story to be rooted in the real real america the the real history yeah. of north america um, mm-hmm. And if she'd been like, oh, yeah, it, it was founded at the time of Washington, that wouldn't be bad. <laughs> you know, that would also be bad. Right, um, right. So, yeah, so I, I agree with this io9 piece. I The Fantastic Beasts thing, like naming them after creatures, I don't think that's directly a tie-in with him. That Fantastic made me laugh Beast. a lot. Because, yeah. like, you wonder, right? You kind of, you're just like, well, there there's a clear... The American Wizarding School was not created before the Fantastic Beasts movie was in the works. That's fact. So, right. what is it? Mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, what would be the alternative? I mean, if you look at Hogwarts, the houses are named after specific people, the people who founded the school, who were right. very impressive individuals. And now here you have the American school whose houses are seemingly named after fantastic beasts. And I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with that because, you know, if you think about most institutions in America, universities that are around today, they all have some sort of, you know, uh, you know it's, it's, mascot or yeah, it, you know, and, and I get that's more geared towards athletics. It's not necessarily Sometimes, specific yeah. to the university, but mm-hmm. a lot of universities just have their mascots aside from their sports teams. You know, there, there are certain ones that are known and are represented by certain animals, certain creatures and so 
I I don't necessarily have a major issue with you know how she went about naming these uh these different houses at at Ilvermorny, but is it just either. that there's not as there's not as much historical context in that at least and and we may learn more right it, it, I'm yeah, sure we, we will but yeah. but there was so much based on these founders within the entire Harry Potter series right they they all kind of played a pivotal role in one way or another if not directly indirectly and so it seemed like there was a lot more thought that went into who created this school and and kind of naming the houses after yeah. them versus here where it's just oh well you're in house wampus or you're you're in house thunderbird <laughs> you know, that's Sounds so kind of cheesy it's so true and i think it also just shows like part of what made harry potter so special aside from it being i think for you guys i don't know if this is true but being removed to britain which is almost like a little bit exotic and, and mystical and, and old and yeah, and, and having that that sort of made her be able to get away with some of the more silly names like hufflepuff and stuff and and i think this one is just it's almost like dividing people like you know you know like divergent like dauntless and amity and all of that but that was almost as a little bit less special just because it's it doesn't have that that oomph behind it you know mm -hmm. and this is also the same it's like it's fine okay that it has houses okay they have names but it doesn't have that sort of you know it doesn't you, you don't get that feeling in your stomach i don't know i think that makes sense that's to fair me. to say that I, makes sense to me i think we'll start people with reservations i i'm fine with these i don't they don't really bother me or the, they they settle in my stomach fine <laughs> um but i think people will feel better about them once we see an official introduction with graphics with backup info just the way this was introduced was of course botched really badly um, yeah thanks hypable <laughs> just hypable by the way <laughs> i actually saw the leaky cauldron had already run it and that's what pushed me to do it because if somebody else was doing it they was going to get around the internet anyway so um so don't blame it all on me but but I, maybe in light of the backlash around jk rowling's native american history that she wrote a couple months ago maybe they were going to release this ilvermorny quiz sooner and they're like, oh shit! Now we better uh, re redo the names or, or make sure we make sure we get all this information right this time. And maybe that's why the code was already there because they were kind of getting ready to unveil it. But now maybe J.K. Rowling pulled it back and decided to make sure she's not going to anger anyone. Maybe. Mm. So it's possible. Yeah. So you think it was just they decided at one point that they were going to move ahead with this and then based on the response that they received for the native american backstory they put a hold on it and yeah. forgot to comment it out in the source code and that's why we're here where we are <laughs> you know be. one thing i will say though is I i'm i'm almost curious what the reaction would have been if she decided to proceed in the creation of the wizarding world here in america without including the native american community because i think that you know, it, it's a tough line to kind of walk in terms of how you represent a group of people and what do you include, what do you not include. But it's almost like would you be getting the opposite argument also coming from the Native American community if she chose not to include them? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like that's I think uh, like there, like you said, like there is no real win for her in this situation because 
you know, excluding someone and appropriating their culture, square in between that is including and, and finding that exact balance is, is almost impossible, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just, I think what we have expressed in previous MuggleCasts too is that we were simply shocked it wasn't more well done, uh, that it wasn't more careful, that it wasn't more, because J.K. Rowling to us, to our minds, has a, has a, a lot of care um, for creating and, and basically, you know, using things in her world that have previously existed. Yeah. Um, it just, it just seemed forced, rushed, blunt, and painful, uh, so far regarding, uh, pretty much with everything regarding Overmorning. Somebody pointed out Stephen in the hypable comments I saw, um, he wrote, I found it kind of interesting that on Wikipedia it says a species of horned serpent was wiped out by the Thunderbird. I could definitely see J.K. Rowling writing about that. Uh. And maybe the Horned Serpent and the Thunderbirds are at odds within Ilvermorny. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> yeah, see that? But uh, you ran a poll, didn't you, Andrew? Yeah, so on the MuggleCast Twitter yesterday, we asked, just for fun, we're curious, based on how little we know about the Ilvermorny houses, which one would you join right now? Thunder- <laughs> the one that sounds the coolest. Yeah, right. thun- Thunderbird won by a large margin, had 57% of the vote. The second most voted uh, house was Puckwaji, the, the, the Hufflepuff. I, I love house. this. <laughs> People are calling it the Hufflepuff house. Uh, we had a tweet from S3VR who's on Twitter who said, uh, I'm shocked so many people picked Puke Wedgie House. Uh, or, I mean, Puck Aww, Wedgie. Aw, that's just mean. It's very mean. It's We're already getting shoved into lockers at Puck Wedgie. Um, but I, I am so glad that 19, that's second place with uh, 19% of the vote out of 445 votes. That's like, that's all the Hufflepuffs coming out and being like, you know what? This is our, this is our fate. This is what we're doing. And, and I'm proud. It's like mm-hmm. Puff Pride, but American version. If you Google image Puckwudgie, you can Puck see, Pride. you can see, um, he, the, the creature looks like a troll. Eh, kind of hunched yeah. over a long mane carrying a bow and arrow in in a couple of well in one piece of work it doesn't look very adorable <laughs> it's not like a cute hufflepuff adorable creature <laughs> it's kind of scary <laughs> so anything yeah, else to know. say on the houses for now i'm sure we'll have more to say it looks like creature i mean <laughs> yeah oh, creature right, creature with lots of back hair yeah creature origins how do you know creature didn't have back hair <laughs> uh, <laughs> good question i suppose i don't yeah so um to wrap up that poll 19 percent said puckwaji 13 percent said wampus and 11 percent said horned serpent i think i think uh i hate to give slytherin a bad rap but i think people hear that horned serpent name and they're like slytherin nope 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 staying away from that one do you guys remember when thunderbird was a brand of email like, did any of you yeah. guys have the Thunderbird email system? Huh. Didn't, didn't... You know what? Now that you say that, Selena, it does sound familiar. Didn't yeah? Mozilla Firefox have, like, a spinoff called Thunder... Yeah, Thunderbird email. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, that might be it. Yeah. That, that is it. It's still online, too. The Thunderbird email. It's an email program. <laughs> huh. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Who's gonna have the copyright <laughs> to that name? Yeah, who's gonna, who's, who owns the it? Problem. Yeah. It's gonna have... That's why it hasn't been released yet. <laughs> They're trying to get the copyright clearances. 
Actually, that would be a good way to confirm it. We should look to see if Warner Brothers owns any of these names yet. Could they do that? Well, they couldn't own them if it's part of Legends. Like, that would be a problem. Like, that would be appropriation. But if nobody else has trademarked it, couldn't they? As it refers to, like, merchandise and stuff? Hmm. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. I don't know. I'm still going to hold off on buying my uh, Horned Serpent uh, Letterman sweater. Maybe, okay, another theory. Maybe, maybe J.K. Rowling was ready to go with these houses, and they got it together for the quiz, and then they said, hey, Warner Brothers, just to let you know, we got these names. They're called Wampus, Thunderbird, Puckwudgie, Horned Serpent, and WB was like, whoa, 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 what? You got to make up new names so we can sell merchandise with this stuff. Yeah, or maybe somebody with some sense in the world was just like, no, those names are terrible. Go back to the drawing board. Um, but I, I, I'm hopeful. Look, I, as 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 a big, you know, self-proclaimed Harry Potter fan, like I, I just I, I want to love it and I want to believe in it and I just want to know more about it. And I don't want it. I want it to offend as few people as possible. I don't want to offend anybody. And, you know, that's that's my ideal. That's my hope for I, humanity in the Harry Potter moving forward. I don't like this argument, though, that the names are silly. Because, like, everything in Harry Potter has a silly name. We're just so used to Hogwarts. And, yeah. And just all these other... I'm, has there been a single new term related to Fantastic Beasts that we have yet to actually like? Ilvermorning, Nomadge, both of those were like, oh, what? Well, those are terrible, okay? <laughs> no, well... I bet in a few years you won't think they're terrible. I will, I will always think, I'm going on record, I will always think Nomad is dumb and (laughs) stupid and terrible. Oh, what was the, oh. I agree with that one, but I like Ilvermorny. I, I think that, that worked for me from, from day one. It sounds like a magical school to me. Hmm. I don't know. Makuza. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> i came no, around oh, on that one pretty quick mac usa yeah this is just no it's no <laughs> okay. but i want to you know but but i can't all I'm right sorry, joe all right so let's move on to another news story now here's a touching story we can all get behind <clears throat> jk rowling of course has a great presence on twitter she has for a year or two now she saw a tweet from somebody last week somebody named kate and Kate said to J.K. Rowling, I want to get Expecto Patronum tattooed and it'd mean the world if it was in your handwriting. Here's why. And she attached a photo of a note on her iPhone in which she explains that uh, she's been the victim of bullying. She's attempted suicide uh, and she cuts herself. So she, want- she wanted to put the Expecto Patronum tattoo handwritten by J.K. Rowling on the place on her arm where she cuts herself. J.K. Rowling saw this tweet. She responded. She wrote out Expecto Patronum. And she took a picture of it and and sent it back to her. And it was really fantastic just seeing J.K. Rowling do this. And just the thought of this person who who, uh, cuts herself putting this tattoo on the place where she does it, knowing that J.K. Rowling actually hand-wrote this tattoo for her. And J.K. Rowling... Also added, I love that you're working to heal and protect yourself. You deserve this. I hope it helps. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. She yeah. does this every once in a while for people. I remember a story we wrote up last year, I think, about another person she sort of reached out to directly. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, interestingly, a website called momentaryinc.com. I guess they they asked Kate for permission. They created a temporary tattoo version 
of this Expecto Patronum tattoo, handwritten by Joe. So they, they took it and kind of optimized it so it could be used as a temporary tattoo. They're selling it on MomentaryInc.com. And at first I thought, oh, that's really awful, taking advantage of... Um, right. Yeah. Right, right. But they told me that their profits are... All profits from the sales of the tattoo are going to go to To Write Love on Her Arms, which is a nonprofit organization that supports those struggling with depression, addiction, self-injury, and suicide. So... You know, I, I see that, but on the actual Momentary Inc. website, it does not say that on the... It doesn't name Price. them specifically, no. Yeah. But, but the website wrote to me and specifically named them. So it's just really shady if you don't say it on the. Uh, it does. You know, yeah, on, on the page itself. But but I think it's a it's it's a nice idea. I mean, I think this is just this is really heartwarming story of of you know your favorite author being there for you in 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 a time of great need. Yeah. Um, I yeah. mean, I, I won't be buying this temporary tattoo. I don't need it tattooed on myself. I already have a Harry Potter tattoo. But for this person, it meant everything. Yeah. Um, and that's that's really special. Yeah. One of our uh, patrons who saw this in our Google Doc, Irvin K., he asked, he said, uh, the Expecto Patronum story got me thinking about what Harry Potter quotes would make really good tattoos. I know always is a really popular choice in the fandom. If you had to tattoo words from HP on yourself, what would they be? Puckwudgie. <laughs> Puckwudgie for Selena, life. Definitely Puckwudgie. I, I saw that coming a mile away. Yeah, always is a good one. I've, I Griffin, don't know. If... Maybe Gryffindor, which sounds a little stupid, like cliche, but I always really appreciated Gryffindor. I don't know. Yeah, there, there's of course. I think probably not as popular as always, but I solemnly swear I'm up to no good. Mm. That's that's got to be that's got to be a big one. Um, yeah, I like that one. I'd footprints. say like Hogwarts will always welcome you home if it wasn't a little bit long, like yeah. <laughs> across your back. <laughs> I, I personally, on my back, I have it's not Hogwarts without you, Hagrid, and it's big giant Hagrid hugging Harry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know what? You. I wouldn't put that past you. From Chamber of Secrets. Thanks, guys. Uh, thank you very much. Well, uh, yeah. uh, Eric, along those lines, the, the first thing that you said, not the second, uh, oh. mischief managed. Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, mischief managed. That's that's probably a huge. Um, but which ones would we would we if we if you had to? This is Irvin's question. If you had to tattoo words from Harry Potter, what would they be? Uh, Selena's already Puck. What you sticking with that girl? Uh, absolutely. Maybe like a follow up something along the lines of, you know, it's not good to dwell on dreams. Yeah, I feel like right. I need reminding of that <laughs> quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think it has to be something that you can always relate to for the rest of your life because the tattoo is forever. So I think don't I let think... the muggles get you down. I like that one. <laughs> I think, actually, I think muggle could be a good one or no match. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I i this may be cheating because it's not a word but i know a couple of friends who got the stars on each page of the book tattooed on their ankle you know the star yeah. in the in the american editions there's like stars next to the page numbers on every page i love that because it's subtle and instantly recognizable to anybody who's read the harry potter books because you saw those stars throughout all seven books yeah so i would um, be interested interested in that uh uh you know maybe if you're twins you could get 
Uh, I know we're called Bread and or Gret and Forge. Oh, maybe. but that will be so sad now. Oh yeah, yeah right. <laughs> J.K. Rowling ruins the opportunity there. Uh, no, I yeah, I don't know. Um, but uh, but I, I think all the ones we talked about were were pretty good. Yeah, I would yep. say too. The Mirror of Eris said, "You know, I show not your face, but your heart's desire." Mm. Mm. I've seen and heard of people who have who have done that. Yeah, or had like as well like as along the inscription actually had a, the mirror of air said the mirror of air said is very cool like even in the movie it's like i just always liked that mirror i've always liked the way that looked yeah um so i think it'd be cool to have that tattooed mm-hmm. potentially okay so let's move on to our next story <clears throat> on to the cursed child they're slowly releasing little previews of what to expect in The Cursed Child, they released a photo of some of the, quote, early sketches for the new Hogwarts robes. They're designed by Katrina Lindsay. And there's some interesting things to note. In, in Basically, they released a, a, a picture of, let's see, eight cloaks on the front and back side, making for a total of 16 designs. They're... Snitch, Snitch Seeker, the Harry Potter website, they kind of zoomed in and optimized the image to figure out what some of the descriptions say because they're hard to make out. There's right. the traditional cloak. There's the Hogwarts first year cloak. There's the Hogwarts emoji rope. <laughs> and if you look <laughs> at it, yeah, if you look at it, you can see a bunch, bunch of buttons on the quote unquote emoji robe. So I don't know what... <laughs> That is because we haven't seen it in the books or movies. <laughs> it's the uh, it's the equivalent of the of the Girl Scouts um, merit badges and stuff. Yeah, but why are they calling it emoji? Because by definition, emoji are just those things on your phone. Maybe maybe uh, maybe internet came to Hogwarts. In the <laughs> oh, intervening no. That would be a cultural revolution. <laughs> that would be quite the twist. I would I would be very interested in that. Um, okay. There's also the Hogwarts ceremonial surcoat robe. The Hogwarts mid-school robe, the Hogwarts sixth form robe, and finally the sixth sixth form robe for prefix surcoats. Sur- for prefix surcoat robe. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Um, so a couple interesting takeaways from this. Your robe seems to evolve now as you continue with your career through Hogwarts. This isn't something we saw in the books or movies. The robes basically stayed the same. Which I think well, is cool. In the movies, they change all the time. But yeah, no, you're right. You're right. That's. I think it's. Someone brought up on Hyperbole that it's. It sucks because now you have to buy new ropes every year. That's like oh, super yeah. expensive. But I guess for the stage, it makes sense. You know, it's a visual thing. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah, it'll be easier when you're watching to to tell the difference. And I feel like with a play, you need more to look at. So if you're able to look around the stage and appreciate all the different robe designs, I think that'll kind of keep your mind busy while you're also watching the play play out. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Mm. They yeah, get shorter, um, it seems. They do get shorter, actually. You know what it is? Maybe they're the same robes, but the people are getting taller. Is the oh. sixth form is the last two years. Well, yeah. Or maybe they're just cutting them. <laughs> like cutting them right. shorter each year yeah. you go into a store <laughs> i don't know I'd, I'd love to see the uh component female designs and how they change um obviously because the the male designs which are here uh utilize pants uh 
and my legs do not look that good. Um, I'm looking at the sixth form. They're really short. There's almost no, like, I don't even know if that person's wearing underwear. Um, it's, you know, just this overcoat, overcloak thing. So I don't know. I'd be interested in seeing. This will be really cool to see on stage, like you guys are saying. Dumble dip. Are you guys going? Sorry. Uh, no. Yeah, no. you guys got to buy I'm, tickets. Why don't you? No, like, I know. I know. Yeah. Get on. When it comes to Broadway, I'll go. I, I'm yeah. I'm waiting for the inevitable U.S. tour. All right. And Mike and I will go. We'll be first first row. Yeah, Joe said first they're working on bringing it around the world, so yeah. it'll be good. Dumble Dip, who is listening to our Patreon live stream right now, they say, "I really hope Emoji is just a code name or placeholder. They couldn't call it something <laughs> like that, yeah. could they? Yeah. So I guess it could be a a, a placeholder until they figure out what to actually call all those badges." <laughs> <laughs> but what what i think is also interesting about these robes is that remember the chris child is set in present-ish day and fashion evolves naturally mm. in the real world yes. so yeah. so we're seeing fashion evolve at hogwarts which i think is cool you know this is this is it's <laughs> it's gonna make a terrible joke here something about having a gay headmaster but it's 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 it doesn't it doesn't work it doesn't work the joke well, doesn't work especially because dumbledore is dead so He's dead. Right, right, how right, dare right, you right. how dare but, um, you no kill your I, gaze much <laughs> sorry sorry um but no i i think that um uh it's it's very interesting it'll be interesting to see these uh-oh dumbledip also says when cursed child comes to the u.s darren chris should play harry oh jeez. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I agree, actually. <laughs> I actually don't agree. I don't. That's that's too meta or something. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, anything else to say about these? No. Are they going to be selling these cloaks? Because that would be Eric. Would you buy one of these? You you still have a robe. I do have my my proud. I'm proud to have my Gryffindor robe. I'd, I'd be interested. You know, something like this has never really been attempted costume wise before by by Harry Potter. They were kind of always allowed to have you know an extras too. Like all the robes are the same. Versus this is like such more grand, like a closer look at not just fashion, but like in general the the identity of students and how much variation you can get when you only have to make. You know, what's the cast like 50 of Cursed Child? So when you only have to make probably like 20 of those are student type costumes, you have a lot more opportunities for variation and stuff. So, you know, yeah, yeah. but I, I also don't think like watching the play, I'll be like, oh, that's I, I want the emoji one or I want the <laughs> sixth form, but with overcloak, you know, it's, it's it'd be weird. I, I can't see them actually to go back and want to just I can't see them selling these. The emoji thing reminds me of pin collectors at disney theme parks these people who buy all these pins and then they trade with each other they all have like different attraction names or different character names on them and then when you go into i was thinking about this when i visited the wizarding world um here in uh, los angeles they have a whole they have a whole pin 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 display you could buy a ton of different harry potter pins like one for the Triwizard Tournament or the different house prefix, which is all these other random things. So I, I, I guess, I guess it could be something like that where they have badges related to everything they do at Hogwarts. Maybe that was something new with the next headmaster or something. I wonder. So one other news story to talk about here. Earlier this month, we spoke about the Battle of Hogwarts 
anniversary, and now it has passed, and J.K. Rowling lived up to her promise. You were right. Yep. It's, <laughs> she decided to apologize for another death. This year, it was Remus Lupin. And she tweeted, in the interests of total honesty, I'd also like to confess that I didn't decide to kill Lupin until I wrote Order of the Phoenix. Arthur lived, so Lupin had to die. I'm sorry, I didn't enjoy doing it. The only time my editor ever saw me cry was over the fate of Teddy. Cry emoji. Wow. A lot of people kind of predicted Lupin. Cry me a river. She killed him. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Selena. Because my point in the last episode was that, and it it may have been one of, during one of our uh, bonus segments for, for Patreon, but I, I don't think you should apologize for killing characters. I, it's, I understand why she's doing it, you know, and and she did it last year with Fred, but I I don't think you have to do that. What, you know, it was part of the, how the story played itself out and it's, I just don't think it's necessary, but it's a symbolic thing. She doesn't actually, I don't think I don't know if she regrets doing it exactly by the definition of apologize. Yeah. Like, I think she's, she's just, she's doing it to, to, to offer a little solace, I guess. But at the same time, she's, she gave you a reason as to why Lupin died beyond just, you know, the, the unintended consequences of war, you know, creating orphans in the case of Teddy. She she basically put all the blame at the feet of Arthur Weasley and said, "It's his fault." You know, yeah, I, well it and, is. And I don't, I don't, I don't like this. I don't, I don't buy that at all. Like Arthur lived, so Lupin had to die. What exactly? Because somebody close well, to Harry needs. Hasn't to... Hasn't she said this for you? Didn't we already know this? I feel like this well, was not new the, information. I knew about the 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 orphan. She wanted an orphan to bookend, but you know the series. Like I get that. That makes more sense to me. I did, like, I did know about Arthur, though. I mean, she's talked about Order of the Phoenix and how she went back and forth as to whether or not she, she was going to kill Arthur. And she didn't feel like at that moment in time, especially with Sirius dying at the end of the book, right. that she could do that. And so got the reprieve. That was the word they used. Right. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know about Lupin, though. I, I didn't I, know this. I this think tie-in. I think that's the thing that's new, that Arthur Weasley's sure we life. Knew. I don't know. I feel like we knew. Direct was Lupin directly? What, like, yeah, like, like Lupin Arthur directly? didn't die, so she had to kill another father figure, and that became Lupin. But that was two like books later this. during the final yeah. battle. Like she almost yeah. could have killed Arthur in book seven. Like it's they're two <laughs> different books. They're two books apart too. It's like oh, if you're not gonna, you know, if you don't kill Arthur in book five, just kill him in book seven. <laughs> I don't get Lupin. Lupin create an orphan. That makes more literary sense to me, but mm-hmm. I'm unschooled. So is it? Could I, it be because Arthur Weasley didn't wasn't really so prominent in Deathly Hallows, whereas he Lupin, was in yeah. Order of the Phoenix. Lupin had his moments. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, and also she killed Fred. So like it, that would have been too much. I think. Oh, Lots too much Weasley. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But but no, I There's I, so I, many I, of I, them. I might be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I might be wrong, like that. That that we we knew. I I just feel like she said it in an interview or something already. But um, yeah. I think it makes sense, and I think we argued on Hyperbole that like Lupin was the better <laughs> option, just because it was more parallel to Harry to leave mm-hmm. um Teddy. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And Lupin happened? was so sad, and he missed the Marauders, and he just was not like if you remember Book Seven, like he was miserable, and like when Tonks was pregnant, he was miserable. 
Yeah, he yeah. was. Well, that and, and that's a really that interesting situation. arc for him to have that character sort of regret his choices and that kind of thing. But I don't know. It, it's interesting because I guess it, essentially that means that not all four Marauders were meant to die by the end of the series. That Lupin would have lived had she killed Arthur. Um, which is just kind of an interesting way. It should of, just be hmm. presented as more of a in memoriam, yeah. recognizing one character per year that has been killed, as opposed to saying yeah. apologizing. I don't think apologizing is the is the right word. So, so I think what you're asking, and I agree with this, is that instead of saying sorry, she should just offer a little context for why she killed each person. Or, or just saying, you know, this year we pay our respects, recognize, pay mm-hmm. our respects to this character. Yeah, yeah. At, at, at least you know she said, "I'm sorry, I didn't enjoy doing it." So that's right. Nice. I'll take it. I'm you sure know, that I was will. the case with Dobby, with with Dumbledore, with a lot of the other characters too. Yeah, yeah. So um, anyway. they have a chance to die a hero's journey. So I mean, I remember uh, speculating on MuggleCast before Book Seven came out about how is it likely that Ron, Harry, and Hermione will live through the war uh, all together because they are the closest to the front lines of the war that you can possibly get. So, I mean, I, I think we, we questioned whether Ron or Hermione would die. Yeah. And I think Joe has said recently or something like Hagrid was never in the equation to die. I think she said that before because he was the one that, oh, everybody, every book we would speculate ever since Sirius died, we were like, who will die this one? And Hagrid was always the favorite for the fans to like everybody thought he was always going to get it. And yeah. She said recently he was never on the table, I mm. think. So, you know, it's weird. It's kind of interesting how all of this works and works out. He he his death would have been tragic in the same way as Hedwig in that and <laughs> that Hagrid was one of the first magical beings, if arguably the first magical person that Harry met. Um, so that would have been like really sad. Like, oh, he helped me get to Hogwarts. He helped me get all my stuff at Diagon Alley, and now he's right. gone. He bought me Hedwig, and now they're both dead. But would you take would you take uh, Hagrid's death over Lupin's? Would you if you yes. could choose? Hell yes. You, yeah. Really? Well, no, actually, I like that all mo- four Marauders died, but <laughs> this is totally confession <laughs> I like time. That. Andrew's gonna Andrew's gonna hate me, but I never liked Hagrid. <laughs> <gasps> Uh, why? I know he's your favorite. I don't know. I found him annoying. <laughs> I don't know if he's my favorite. Wow. I think he's a great character. I know. Okay. I'm yeah, so sorry, everyone. Pretty shocking. I think, <laughs> I think I think during this episode, we've all each managed to offend uh, a large group so of people. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's get into uh, kind of a game we have here this week. <clears throat> Since the Cursed Child is upon us, Preview performances start in less than a month now. Um, we thought we should get down some predictions about the Cursed Child. So today, each of us is going to make two predictions, and we'll do two more on our next episode right before the preview performances begin. So without further ado, um, here are my two predictions to begin. Number one. We will hear in passing that a somewhat significant character died a couple of years earlier. Uh, okay, so we're going to learn about a big death. True. Maybe maybe it'll be Hagrid. And maybe Selena wins. What if we're watching the play, Selena, and like we find out that Hagrid died, 
And like, I just hear I'm you just like, yelp <laughs> from another area of the theater. <laughs> Finally, yeah. Oh no, I don't. I don't want him to die. <laughs> I don't know. You sounded pretty. I just remember when the books were going on, it was like, we were like, is Ron going to die? Is Ginny going to die? Is 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 Lupin going to die? And I was like, oh, but what if it was just Hagrid? That would be so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> and prediction number two, uh, Draco Malfoy's kid, Scorpius, will be as much of a D as Draco Malfoy was. You can't say that word. Well, I don't know. Should we say a, 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 a dick? He's going to be a dick. <laughs> I mean, I dropped the F-bomb on the last show. Oh, you so. did? We didn't even get any complaints about that. That's amazing. <laughs> Our audience has grown up. Yes, thank you, audience. <laughs> I, just, I think that's definitely possible. Yeah. I, I think this is going to be very parallel to Sorcerer's Stone or just, just the earlier books in general. So, so yeah, those are my two predictions. Micah, what are yours? So my predictions, uh, number one, I think that the Elder Wand will be removed from Dumbledore's grave. Ooh. Or that another one of the Hallows that is not the Invisibility Cloak will be used in some capacity. Hmm. So. Very interesting. I like the idea of... I would even like to see the, re- the cloak again, but like a relic of the books be featured here, you know, 20 years after the events. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that at some point during the run of the show that a Harry Potter actor from the movies will portray their character on stage. <laughs> I like this. Uh, I mean, it's such a Broadway thing to do. Is like it's going to be week. Ivana Lynch. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, for like a week or, a, you know, a, a short run, a brief run, you'll have something like that happen. Hmm. Um, I agree. I, I like that prediction a lot. Okay. Interesting. Eric, what are your predictions? So my two predictions for the Cursed Child play, um, and this is unrelated to my discussion of the costumes earlier, but I suggested uh, before the show we wrote these down, I think that the show will feature an openly gay character. Uh, I think for diversity, it's important to, you know, again, show a more realistic version of the world. Um, So that's my first prediction. My second prediction, and this comes from the fact that I question how much Hogwarts will actually be getting in the play, since it's also, to some extent, Harry's story and, like, the adults that we know and are more familiar with. Uh, So my prediction was the Malfoy family, including Draco's offspring, will not appear. Uh, And I, I just kind of see the conflict, rather than it being, like, young Albus Severus and Scorpius Malfoy like it was Harry and Draco. I think the conflict is more internal. And so yeah. we might not even see like that the kid has a rival at Hogwarts the way that Harry did. Hmm. So we have conflicting predictions. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Mm-hmm. Selena, what are yours? Oh, well, I just um just changed mine because I got a better one. But yeah, no, I think I'm sort of going to go <laughs> in, in the other direction. No, not the you than I had before. <laughs> um, I, I think um actually that uh, quite a lot of it is going to take place at Hogwarts. And I actually think that'll include Harry, Ron, and Hermione all returning to Hogwarts to solve this mystery um, of the Cursed Child. And uh, the second part of, of that prediction for me is that I don't think the Cursed Child is going to be Albus Severus. 
I think it's going to be someone else. So you, so that artwork with Harry, mm-hmm. or, or sorry, with a mm-hmm. boy in a golden snitch, you don't think that is Albus Severs? I don't think that's Albus Severs, no. <sighs> but I, I mean, it probably is. I'm probably wrong. But I think it would be really interesting <laughs> if, it was, if it was someone else. Okay. Yeah. Pottermore. And, uh, it, because cause that would be like, I know you said it would probably be like Philosopher's Stone, which is probably like very accurate. But um, if, if this new character that's going to be so central to the story is is albus and if he's cursed that's going to be too much like harry being cursed well i think he's cursed in different ways though yeah there was a synopsis there was a synopsis that said like albus severus can never get out from under harry's shadow and yeah harry (laughs) harry Harry himself is still mulling over the events of the final battle etc and that was like that was the moment where I was like, okay, now it's mm, definitely mm. it's definitely Albus Severus who's the cursed child. It's not. It any probably bit more is that he's yeah. cursed by by his father's past or whatever. But I I would like if it was like another child and like Albus is sort of helping to solve whatever um, mystery there is about that cursed child. Maybe it's like an, an like a a ghost or if it's like a missing child. I don't know something like that. I don't know. She's. I've been reading. It's because she's doing Robert Galbraith now, so I'm expecting it to be some kind of mystery, murder mystery. <laughs> yeah. I actually. I'm. I'm glad you bring up Harry, Ron, and Hermione returning to Hogwarts. I would like to go on record right now and say I hope they don't, because yeah. this reminds me of when people graduate from high school and they keep coming back to the high school even after they graduated, and it's just like, dude, oh. move on already. So I, Harry's like the golden boy of Hogwarts and he like ha- has to return, you know, yeah. for the glory. But I just <laughs> you, you remember being a high school student and seeing people who graduated come back on multiple occasions. I'm like once or twice, okay, but like some of them would be coming back really often. I was just like, just can you move on, please? <laughs> you know what's funny is I was voted most likely to do that really? in my, and my did graduating you? class. Yeah, my graduating class, I was voted most likely to return to Muhlenberg High School. But, but did you come back? Did you go back? Uh, you know, only one, to my credit, once, 10 years later, it was this year, I went back once, uh, and it was very weird. Okay, yeah. Like, every, everything was the same. It was very weird. But I was, everybody thought that I would be the one to come back, so. Going back once well, or twice I think, is okay. I think Ron would be like that in the story. I could see him sort of being like, because he already was like that in the epilogue, wasn't he? Like, oh yeah, I'm the chosen one, kind of. Yeah. Like it's it's Hogwarts. Like this place trumps any place that you could ever <laughs> any be high or school. live. Yeah. Yeah. Any <laughs> high school. Like that is I, true. I, I will say I don't blame anyone in the universe for coming back to Hogwarts. I um, guess I just don't like the type of person that keeps coming back. That's all. Okay, but. so we'll we'll each make a couple more predictions on our next episode in early June before preview performances start. Because after that, the secrets are going to be out. So this is our last chance. We'll look back on these and see how right or wrong we were. So these predictions are locked in now. Fun. Yeah. That was good. Okay, so let's move on now to make the connection. It's a fun segment. <laughs> Our, our fan favorite, Make the Connection, These Connections. Selena, do you remember how to play? Yeah, but I feel like there was music last time. Uh, so maybe I don't. Well, <laughs> the production <laughs> budget has been cut here on MuggleCast. <laughs> mm, I see. Uh, visit our Patreon to fix that. Uh, <laughs> no, we, so there's two sets. So that's Make the Music Connection that yeah. you're thinking um, of. Mm-hmm. Make the Connection was actually came first. And it was originally Jamie would come up with just some random off the top of his head topic and we would have to connect it to Harry Potter. So 
I, I we sourced these over on Twitter, um, twitter.com slash mugglecast, and got uh, our top 13 responses. Won't need to read them all, but my suggestion is that we each give each other something to make the connection to. So we just pick one and give it to somebody else. Okay. Okay. So uh, let's start with Selena. Yeah. Selena, okay. make the connection between Harry Potter and water skiing down the Amazon River. This was submitted by Tardis Seeker. Tardis Seeker. Okay, well, obviously, I feel like that's going to be an Ilvamorny excursion. <laughs> um, the Thunderbirds are going to lead the charge, you know, uh, on their broom, water brooms. It's going to be great. That's the sport, actually, water brooming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, is Ilvamorny going to have a... Well, I guess it'll be Quidditch, duh. But I wonder well, if they'll maybe, have like a maybe unique it'll be something sport. else. They'll yeah. call it something different, you know. Yeah. Like, no, right. no, no quarter. No quid. Yeah. No quid. <laughs> no quid. <laughs> yes. no quid yeah. was, it, was it the last episode that we were talking about Quidditch and and sort of its evolution? Because and I'm sure you you saw, but there was an article that was uh, written on these skydivers that actually played oh. Quidditch. Oh, yeah. So cool. As they were making their way uh, back down to. Uh, to earth and it's, uh, it's unbelievable it's, it's really unreal. cool yeah um huh so that's okay. cool uh micah i want you to make the connection between harry potter and being stuck in an elevator with your ex and neither of you are <laughs> over each other yet uh which is from <laughs> mk mpkh uh on twitter i would say just any scene that involved um uh, Ron and uh, Lavender Brown. <laughs> <laughs> it did get awkward at the end there. Mm -hmm. Selena, you pick one and give give it to one of us. Okay, so um, so Eric, I want you to make a connection between Harry Potter and IKEA. Oh no, because um, of hmm. the Swedish thing. I yeah. know. <laughs> I was going to give that to you, oh. and I was like, eh, better not. Um, Harry Potter and Ikea. Uh, this is a little meta. Both are fun. <laughs> I love going to Ikea just like I love reading Harry Potter, especially <laughs> early Harry Potter. That's nice. And, and, and like Hogwarts, you know, you turn a corner and you never know where you're going to end up. And furthermore, yes, that's true. That was good. And also good food. The, oh, I, go yeah. to, I go to Ikea specifically for the Swedish meatballs. I've been known to leave Ikea having just had their Swedish meatballs without any furniture on me. Uh, My brother does the same thing. Just like the food at Hogwarts. It's so really both, cheap. Uh, both have vanishing cabinets, right? <laughs> yeah. Vanishing cabinets. <laughs> it seems like we can all make a really good connection between Harry I was going to say Ikea. something about like their instruction manuals because people always complain about the Ikea man. I find them to be pretty easy, but something about instruction manuals and spells and being like, hard to work out or something. Yeah, yeah, and definitely like the Daily Prophet, the way it's designed to like look uh, with like pictures and confusing. stuff. Confusing. <laughs> that was from Rebecca E. Thanks, Rebecca E. So I guess now I have to give. Sure. Andrew, have you gone yet? No, I haven't. All right. So I want you to make the connection between Harry Potter and the sensation you get when you have to sneeze really bad but can't. And that's from <laughs> Maddie J. <laughs> Well, this has to be like when you're trying to get a spell out of your wand, but maybe you're trying to conjure, conjure Patronus, but you, you just can't get it to go. Like you can really, you can really 
feel it built up inside of you, but for whatever reason, you just don't have the strength in the moment to really complete the spell. I like that a lot. <laughs> the focus. Expecto, but you. <laughs> Should we do a couple more? Let's do one more. All right. This is for this is for the table. Uh, <laughs> getting okay. Make the connection between Harry Potter and getting powdered sugar from fried Oreos all over yourself at the state fair. Honeydukes. <laughs> Honeydukes. Honeydukes. Oh, that was too easy. That was from Jules the only. Okay. Okay. How about how about okay? Uh, make a connection between Harry Potter and the happy poop emoji. <laughs> <laughs> the emoji robes. <laughs> there, you go. there you go. Done. Complete it. Yes. Make the connection. Complete. Take that, Sophia. <laughs> Sophia on Twitter. There we go. Thanks to everybody who contributed uh, contributed those ideas. Okay, we're going to get serious for a moment, guys. This is from one of our patrons, Bradley, who's actually we're listening in, in the live stream. We about happy poop emojis. What? I said we weren't, we weren't serious before. We were just talking about happy poop emojis. Oh, true, true. That's a very, very uh, good subject. Bradley asks, since the mirror of Erised shows the most deepest, most desperate desire of our hearts, what would Andrew, Selena, Eric, and Micah see? Each other. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, I like that a that's lot. Good. I take the same one. That's my answer. Yeah, for <laughs> Nobody... how little thought actually went into that answer. Nobody <laughs> wants to get personal on the show. No, I think... What? That was super personal. <laughs> <laughs> but a lie. <laughs> I think... No. Um, I think everybody just looks for happiness in life in general. And I think that would be something that... I don't know what, how, what form that would take in the Mirror of Eris well, though. I think it's funny. I'm going to get a little meta here, some cross promotion. I was listening to one of your latest millennial shows and you all said, oh, well, you would choose like personal relationship happiness over like professional happiness. Yeah. And uh, this is my official rebuttal, everyone, um, that I would I would definitely go the other way for 100 percent. Like my my deepest desire would definitely be something to do with my professional goal of having a book published or, okay. or, or landing a job of that I really wanted or, or something like that, you know? So, um, so if you look in the mirror of said, you see yourselves like giving a reading like, of, writing, of your New yeah, York like, Times bestselling so book. Yeah. yeah. Or like, or maybe just like inspired, like seeing myself writing, like super inspired and, and I just can't like, you know, I don't have writer's block and it just keeps coming. Something like that. Hmm. Like Do you think it lot. changes though? I mean, I, we've probably yeah. had this discussion before, but let's say, a 10-year-old version of ourselves looking into the mirror versus a 25, 30-year-old version of ourselves. We're going to yeah. obviously have different desires. Yeah. So I, I think it was actually almost extremely mature of, of Harry to look into the mirror at his age and, and see his parents and, and not necessarily be looking for something that was material in nature, which I think most kids his age would have seen. Yeah, well, right, and it, but it changes even for Harry. I mean, he is able to get the stone at the end of the book because he wants to stop Voldemort. That's his deepest desire. Mm-hmm. He doesn't he doesn't want self grandeur. Um, but yeah, so so it does change just as our yeah. our desires change. 
Before yeah, um, 2007, I bet it was like holding the seventh Harry Potter book in our hand. Like legitimately, that was our <laughs> biggest desire. I'm going to, um, yeah, so I'm going to say mine is, uh, a, um, and this is at the risk of being offensive again, uh, I want a, a better, uh, a book seven that I like a lot, that I like even more, <laughs> that I completely, I, Ooh. I had some, I know, I know, I know, I know. But this is worse than my Hagrid confession, guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I want. I want a better. I want a book seven that I personally like more. Hmm. Uh, there are people out there who think it's the best book, uh, the best conclusion, and I respect that. I truly do. But I, I didn't feel that way. So I, I see myself holding and reading the the final, the one that that did everything I wanted it to do. Wow. I, I think I'm with you, Selena. I would like to see some sort of like professional, maybe uh, solace. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. When, when I try to think of an answer to this question, I just like picture myself on a beach house. Like I want to know, like I made Aww. tons of money and now I'm on the beach, just like living on the beach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you did. You made it. You did it. Right. That's exactly. Like a, a material thing, but just that feeling of. Right. You've got it. You In know? my yeah. rocking chair with a glass of um, whiskey. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm yeah what kind of whiskey uh i currently have a bottle of maker's mark so i guess that <laughs> i love maker's mark <laughs> yeah it's, it's a good it's a good choice all right let's move on now we have a couple more couple more listener feedback type things uh this first one is from zach i thought he had a couple interesting thoughts on the cursed child about we growing up with harry and now the cursed child may kind of be out of sync with that Mm-hmm. He says, hey, yeah. guys, I've been thinking about what we can expect with The Cursed Child. We know a little bit about the story, but we don't know what sort of tone the play will have. The original series, while getting progressively darker as it went along, remained a children's story with a certain amount of whimsy. Since The Cursed Child is a play, a medium that adults tend to enjoy more than children, and tells the story of Harry as an overworked ministry employee, I imagine the story itself will be geared more towards adults. While that is fine, as most of the fans of the series are now adults themselves, my concern is that the story will be geared towards adults of a certain age that can better relate to Harry with teenage kids, rather than the adults who actually grew up with the series and fall between the 25 to 33 age range. Why does this matter? Because the fans who grew up with the series actually grew up with the series. They were in school when Harry was. They had their first crushes and kisses along with Harry. And the lessons learned in the series had the most profound effect on those who aged with Harry. I recall loving the Harry Ginny romance subplot in Half-Blood Prince because at the time, I was going through my own bout of a teenage crush. Unfortunately, it didn't have the happy ending that Harry had, but the fact Harry and Ginny got together in the common room mirrored my own desires. If I couldn't get my girl, I couldn't live through Harry. I could live through Harry. Now, roughly 10 years after the series ended, most of us are in our mid to late 20s. Our lives are focused on new things like starting a career and beginning to have serious relationships and getting married. We do not have kids in their teens for the most part. We are not yet burnt out on our careers, but are excitedly still chasing our dream jobs. That's why I always wanted the follow-up story, if it ever was written, to focus on the next phase in Harry's life, not two phases after. I'm sure Cursed Child will be great, and I'll probably read it a million times, but maybe this has something to do with my tempered excitement for the play. It won't speak to my personal experiences like the original series did. Maybe in 10 years, though, it will. This was really interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought about this. So essentially because uh, the play is, you know, 19, 20, 20 odd years later, um, and the it's actually only been 
you know, 10 years, the idea is that the, the audience is, is older than we are. The target audience for the cursed child. Yeah, I can, I can, I can see what he's saying. I'm kind of picturing myself watching or reading the story now and being like, oh, Harry really grew up, didn't he? And he's having, you know, trouble parenting, which we, most of us, do not yet. I, I didn't even think about this. This came out of left field for me. This is, this makes a lot of sense. I'm canceling my pre-order. I'm canceling <laughs> my flight. <laughs> well, look, it's, it's ultimately, it's a Harry Potter story and Harry Potter's universal. Um, yeah. for everybody at, at, at all times. You know, I, I don't think, I don't think it'll be too, um, exclusive, uh, you know, of, of, of any particular age group. After all, there are, there are children in the cast and there will be a portion that presumably takes place at Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that part of the story will, it's much easier to see that as appealing to a younger generation. But yeah, I, I, I guess, I guess what we can relate to and what the, the main theme might be is, is sort of processing grief and, and that, that all together, you know, and, and kind of re- recovering from the war and all, all that kind of stuff is stuff that we can relate to, uh, as, as humanity, like in general over and over and, and over again. It, and it's not too far from the, the themes of the Harry Potter series mm. uh, of books. Mike and Selena, mm. how do you feel about this? I- I think it's really well thought through. I think that um, Zach did a good job of kind of going through how he's feeling about potentially seeing this. And I just, I'm not sure that we need to react in this way before we actually know how the story plays itself out. Yeah. Because there, I don't think it's going to be you know, Harry frustrated with his job at the ministry. He's 50 pounds overweight. He comes home, he drinks every night. He yells at his wife and kids. <laughs> his life is miserable. You know, and it, I, I just don't get that sense. And, and, but I understand the point about, you know, sort of being in the next stage of life versus be aware necessarily all of us may be, but we're just one portion of the base of of fan that's out there right we're we're the ones who grew up with it so to speak but there's still a lot of other people out there that identified with the series that didn't necessarily grow up with it yeah i i agree but i think he is right zach is right that a large majority of harry potter fans are currently between the ages of 25 to 33 or it's or it's just that i mean as a matter of personal preference if you can choose when the next harry potter story is going to be you kind of want to see it when Harry's your age because that was always what we were used to. Mm, I, I don't know. I think I, I definitely see his point and it's sort of one of the things I've struggled with too is just feeling like my Harry is is, is in, like stuck in that time he was at Hogwarts and it's hard for me to consider that his story goes on, his life goes on, you know, but but I actually really do enjoy that that if he's going to, if the trio is going to have a really large presence in it and they are going to be a little bit older because I feel like that that will give us something for for a while, you know? It's not like you're thinking, "Oh, Harry Potter, that was that's for kids." This is actually going to like legitimately make probably hopefully make Harry Potter for adults in a way that it wasn't before. Not to say that adults couldn't have enjoyed it, but it's always been marketed to kids. Mm-hmm. And by marketing it not 10 years older, but 20 20 how one 19 19 year, years later like marketing in in that age bracket is actually gonna say hey look harry like 
is for everyone, not just for the kids. And I, I enjoy that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Zach, for that interesting yeah. feedback. And finally today, we're going to wrap up with a chicken soup for the Muggle Castle. This is from Rebecca. Oh. She says, Dear Andrew, Mike, and Eric, I discovered Muggle Cast in January of this year, shortly after moving to Ireland for seven months. I'm living with a family and working as a nanny for them, and it can sometimes be pretty difficult work. And on top of that, it's my first time living overseas and away from home. MuggleCast has kept me company through the good times and times when I've been terribly homesick. I will often turn on an episode when it gets too quiet or I start to feel lonely, and it helps to keep my mind busy and entertained for a while. So I just want to say thank you. And Rebecca also has a question for us. She says, I'm trying to come up with the perfect birthday gift for the almost seven-year-old boy that I take care of. His name is Harry, so naturally I thought this would be the perfect opportunity to introduce him to the Harry Potter series. He isn't really interested in books without pictures yet, and I am just wondering what you think about the illustrated editions of uh, of the books for first-time Harry Potter readers. I personally loved being able to recreate the world in my head, and I don't want to take that away from someone who hasn't had any contact with Harry Potter yet. Do you think that the illustrated editions could also make it seem more like just, just like a children's book rather than a story that can stay with you throughout your life? So, um, mm. I, I've, like I said at the beginning of the show, I've been reading parts of Sorcerer's Stone with the illustrated edition for the first time. There are good chunks of the book without illustrations. Like, you can go through six or seven pages without anything. So, I don't think it's, I wouldn't call it heavily illustrated. <laughs> I guess it's, it's just right. Um, <laughs> my porridge is just right. <laughs> I think, I, there are some beautiful illustrations in it and it will it definitely for a first time reader i think that's the interesting part of this question it will definitely influence their imagination because you do see the faces of these characters that was something pottermore tried to avoid they never showed right. you the faces because they didn't want to take that away from you right. so but, hmm. i mean i i think the, the but to a worse extent the movies do that too uh you know and i i think I, I seem to recall reading Chronicles of Narnia for the first time when I was younger, and that there were illustrations in that book, but they weren't necessarily like they weren't. My mind didn't adopt them completely. You know what mm. I'm saying? So it's like I wonder if it's the same thing where you're kind of as a kid, you don't really have the you don't know how to say it, but like it's not exactly like you you know that the, the those images are being like, being dictated to you like. I, th I think there's still room for for the imagination. I, what I like about the illustrated edition, and I, I will, I could rave about it for hours. I won't. Is you know, are the pictures of of Hogwarts and like Quidditch and like the the owls, you know, and and things like that that are that are illustrated. I think really um, liven up and and bring the story to to life. Mm -hmm. um, I, I yeah. So I would say actually the the illustrated edition is is a great first. Um, book especially if the child is interested in, in, in more interested more likely to read picture books but i will also say that nothing beats just being read the story um you know whether it's illustrated or not if you're nannying this child uh if you have the time read the book to him uh or her or children everywhere like i, I mm. think that will, that will no. make all the difference i think I, I like what you're saying, but I also think the question here is, is for him learning to read. So I, in, in, you know, building his, his experience in, in terms of doing that. So while it's great that the book probably can be read to him, it can be read to anybody who's 
even younger than that. I would I would think that this could be a, a good opportunity with the illustrated edition. The only problem you may run into is that you know these illustrated editions have not all been published yet. So if he's really excited to go on to the next book, how true! You may have to wait a little while uh, for Chamber of Secrets, and then you know it, it seems like these books are being released on an annual basis. So there is that, but also with each passing year, he's going to get older and older, and of course he can then transition to the the actual books themselves as they were initially written but my only thing would be and and you all touched on it and is even mentioned in in rebecca's email is that that you want the ability to sort of create this world inside of your own head and i feel like mine was definitely influenced having seen the films first so i just i just worry about that especially seeing uh you know an, an illustrated edition uh you know where the pictures are literally right there you you, you're gonna and you're the mind is automatically going to look to whatever the creation is on the page to be the the main don't your american editions have chapter art we do we're very lucky to get paid much attention to those i mean a little bit sure this is different i mean you're talking about a little thing on, on the on the first page of the chapter and and then also the the cover art versus their actual drawings mm, of, of mm-hmm. iconic i mean, I, yeah. I really don't think the illustrated editions are that bad and i i've, I've read i've read the first one all the way through like i, I don't think it's bad at all i don't think it's, i wouldn't say i'm not saying it's bad well no like replacing would... imagination no, I wouldn't say that that picture books or, or books with that level of pictures actually do that. I think, you know, when you read books, like I've read plenty of books as a kid that had illustrations with them. You know, you've read like those, you remember those, I don't know if you guys had them, but like people long stocking, for example, there'd be like huge pictures of on the pages and then like little tiny bits of text. And I still enjoyed the story. Like, I think my only sort of issue would be maybe like he's a little bit too young to appreciate it. <laughs> Just because I tried reading it to a seven-year-old and he definitely did not appreciate it. So hmm. you don't want to like, you don't want to make it seem like a kid's book. I would say that that would be, that would be my only worry would be that he's definitely gonna, gonna feel like it's a book for kids. But at the same time, better that than he experiences the story for the first time through the movies. Yeah, so I yeah. show him the movies. It. No matter yeah, what, go for it with the, the books. Yeah, exactly. I, I would also, we should also keep in mind that the reason that they did these illustrated editions was specifically to appeal to a new generation of readers. Mm-hmm. Sure, the original fans were go- probably going to buy them, but this is a great way to get younger readers into Harry Potter. So, um, so just remember that the publishers did this because they want kids to read it. And I, I think they, I, I, the illustrations are so good. Like they don't, they don't bother my previous the the images that I had in my head previously using my own imagination. So, all right. Well, thank you, Rebecca, for that. And that wraps up today's episode. Look at that. We did two episodes in a month. We, we can do two and a half-ish hours of Harry Potter content in a month. <laughs> I love it. This is great. It feels like old times again. It really does. Um, we recently, we passed the 500 patron mark over on our patreon yeah which is just awesome amazing uh thank you to our patrons for their support one thing worth mentioning is that we are only sending out 687 uh shirts and only accepting patrons at the order of the phoenix level up to 687 
to get those those rewards. So uh, there's only 187 left, less than 200 opportunities to be our patron to support us and get uh, those lovely rewards, which we work very, very hard uh, to develop. Right. In fact, just but- today, I shipped out uh, or I'm shipping out 100 pieces of album art um, for our patrons. Excellent. The the physical benefits, even if you sign yes. up after 687, you'll still get the digital ones, um, and which uh, of which there are many, including yes. chapter readings, which we mentioned before. Yeah. Um, and bonus muggle cast segments. Yes. Right. More muggle cast. We're doing two bonus muggle cast segments a month. Also, um, muggle cast T-shirts. If you want to receive one of those, you have to be signed up by July 2016. So two more months to go because we're going to order all the shirts, get all the sizes, you know, just do one big order. So please visit patreon.com slash mugglecast if you'd like to sign up. You'll um, Now that we've been rocking and rolling with this for a couple months, there's a ton of content. So as soon as you sign up, you're going to see a lot of stuff to listen to, uh, to watch. <laughs> the creepy video of, of Micah signing album art and like Eric sneaking up on him <laughs> as the floor beneath him creaks. It's creepy. It's, I thought it was endearing. I don't think I've seen this. The it's floor creepy. does creak. The floor does creak. It's, it's I'm going to have to take a look after the uh It's creepy because like Eric is walking slowly up on Micah and it seems like Micah doesn't know he that Eric's was, filming. He knew I was, I said, hey man, because we were both signing and then, it, but Pink Floyd is playing in the background. It, it cracks crazy. me up. It cracks me up. <laughs> And, and I would also say too, uh, check out the new, still fairly new MuggleCast website. It's uh, fully optimized for everything 2016. That's all I'll say. But uh, <laughs> I, I really like it. We uh, we added our famous wall of wall of fame uh, to to the website, so we I didn't have even know episodes that. there. What's that? I didn't even know that. I'm checking yeah, it out now. You took a cool. look at it and you said it looked great with all of the. Uh, oh, I lied. I wasn't. I must have thought you were talking about transcripts or something. Oh, oh yeah. We're, we're still working on the transcripts. Yeah, transcripts Wall are of Fame is up. Uh, we need to add a couple of episodes because it's it's been a few years since we, we selected one as being worthy of the Wall of Fame. But all of the interviews that we've done over the years with those that are part of the Potter community from David Heyman to David Yates and Oliver Phelps, Ivana Lynch, the list goes on and on. Uh, those are at the very top and you can click right through to the episodes that we spoke with them on and listen to them. So definitely head on over there and check it out. Yeah. Thank you everybody for listening. Thank you to patrons for your support. Uh, Selena, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. This was so much fun. Uh, Selena hosts the weekly hype podcast on Hypeable. Which is I do. Thanks for plugging that. Yeah, we talk general fandom news. We talk Harry Potter a lot. So um, please consider giving that a listen. Yeah. And you guys are approaching episode 100. 100. I know. It's crazy. I know you guys are like approaching 300. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Also crazy. Equally crazy. All the crazy on all the podcasts. Yeah. (laughs) We'll have to do something for that 300th episode. I'm not sure what it is. We have to figure out when it's going to be. So that's that's it's eight episodes after today. Is it going to so be around Curse Child? It's going to be four months from now. So it'll be in September oh. when Harry goes oh. back to Hogwarts first day of Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, we'll interview the guy uh, on the platform nine and three quarters, the train guy. <laughs> What's it like? <laughs> What's it like seeing those <laughs> students on September first every year? <laughs> <sighs> All right. Thanks again, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next week for, or next time, in two weeks ish, for episode 293. Goodbye. 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 Bye. 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 Bye.
Good boy. Good boy. Harry. 